God and do a message that was kind of tied into that idea of graduating and of moving on. As we already mentioned, in two weeks we'll be starting a summer series in the book of Second Corinthians. Really, really excited about that. It's a powerful, powerful book. We'll be going chapter by chapter through uh, Second Corinthians pretty much the month of July and August, and I'm just excited to be able to do that. So it's a great time to go deep into the book, deep into the Word. Um, so it's a great opportunity. But today I, I want to uh, teach from Hebrews chapter 3, and I would title this message, Passing the Test. Passing the Test. We just celebrated our graduates. All of them, to some degree or another, had to pass a test to achieve that accomplishment. Tests are designed, tests are given to determine advancement. They put you to the next level. The outcomes to the tests that we take, whether they're academic or whether they're spiritual, because I'll be speaking more about the spiritual tests that we we endure and that we have to take. But even academic tests, the outcomes of the tests mainly rely on our level of preparation. Your preparation determines the outcome of the test that you take. It's true in academics, it's true in spiritual. One example from my life, and this is not the best example, especially for those of you who are going on to university, but um, I remember university cramming when finals would come. It was about the worst way you could prepare. It was the night before, or maybe two nights before the test. I had not really remembered the material. I had not really given it my best effort. I kind of was procrastinating. I was slacking a little bit, not really dedicating myself to my studies. So a night before or two nights before, and trust me, I was not alone in this because you would go to the library, and there was a reason why the university would keep the library open for 24 hours during finals week is because all the slacker students like myself uh, were cramming, studying, for our finals at the last minute. By God's grace, I was able to pass those uh, finals, but I was never able to do as well as I could uh, because I lacked preparation. I lacked preparation for the test. There's a great quote. I don't know who it belongs to, but it's a wonderful quote. It's simply this, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Love that quote. Let me say that again. Preparations, five piece proper preparation prevents poor performance. If we're to pass the test that we take in life, we have to be prepared. Seasons of testing is also a deeply spiritual truth. From the scripture, whenever we read of times of testing, um, the word there to use testing is more. Uh, something that's proven by a trial. There's a trial that happens usually in your life. You can call it a test. You can call it a trial. It, it's the same thing, really. Um, but it's something proven. Something that means it needs to be uh, overcome and proven through this trial and through this test. And we see this all throughout Scripture. But God will allow tests to happen in our life. The purpose of the test that God allows, though, is for our faith to be proven. For our faith to be proven that it's real. Now, it's not that we need to prove our faith to God. God already knows you. He knows your heart. He knows what you're about. The test, the purpose of the test that we endure in life is not to prove our faith to Him necessarily, more than it is to prove our faith to ourselves. 
things are new, when things are fresh, then a greater dependence within us grows to God. That's why God uses texts. But I understand fully the perplexing nature of texts. You may be going through rough situations, tough situations, and ask God, what do you do? As we go through life and we experience the testings, we feel in our body the shakings, we feel in our spirit and in our soul the shakings and the shakeups, uh, sometimes to our stability, sometimes to our livelihood, sometimes to our health or our relationship. We experience this shakeup of God. We're shaken up by the tests. But God is not surprised by anything. Before we get deeper into passing the test, I want to make a disclaimer and say this because you may be going through a test today. You may be here and there's something going on in your life that's it's a trial. You're in the middle of something that's maybe painful or hurtful or confusing. You're in a season of testing. Um, I want you to hear this disclaimer well. It's so important that you understand this truth. Um, God is not the author of all things. You may be going through a trial. You may be going through a season of testing, God did not author that trial. It may be a result of your bad decisions. It may be a result of your choices or your actions. So God did not author that trial, but God redeems all trials, all testings. That means he buys them back and he uses them for their glory. So, so some of the testings, some of the trials that we're in, some are authored by God. Some are more authored by our decisions. Regardless of who offered the testing or the trial, God will use it. He will use it. He will redeem it because He is the Redeemer. James in chapter 1, and I'll get to Hebrews, keep your finger there. James in chapter 1 tells us that whenever we encounter trials or troubles, that we should consider an opportunity. An opportunity for joy. In verse 3, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Again, it's, it's, it's confirming to us that God uses the tests, God uses the trials, God uses the trouble in our life for our endurance to grow, for our faith to grow, for us to grow closer to Him. But what determines you passing the test? Scripture, people have endured tests. Job was tested by God in a very, very difficult way. Esther had her faith tested. David, time and time again, was tested, went through trials, experienced trouble because of God. The apostles, after the death of Jesus, many of them endured, uh, endured trouble and tragedy, and many of them went to their death because of their faith. They were tested by God. What was the thing that all of them had in common? One, they dug in deeper into God like a tree digs its roots in deep to endure a storm. During a trial, during trouble, during uh, a test, you need to dig in deeper into God. They all accepted that tests are a part of our faith journey. But they also rested in the comfort of understanding that God will never test you. Listen, because some people, especially some secular humanist people, they'll say, you know, you, you're 
Christians who worship a very wicked God. Because what kind of God would you feel to a test that would hurt you? What kind of God would put you through something that would be so painful and burdensome in your life when you serve a wicked God? And, and that is coming from a person who doesn't have the understanding of who God is. Because again, God is not the author of every test or human beings that we test. And those people just want to push buttons while complaining that God who only does good things, they want a good God, but they don't want a just God. And that's not who God is. But we can take comfort today in understanding that the test that we endure. This is from 1 Corinthians. I don't have it, but I'll say it. Uh, the test that we endure, the trials that we go through, God is faithful. First Corinthians tells us he will allow us to go through more than we're able to handle through his strength. And he'll always provide a way out for us. He'll always show a way out so that we can endure, so that we can pass the test. So what makes or breaks the result? This message today is so important for all of us because all of us will go through seasons of testing. Some of you are in them right now. Some of you are coming out of them. But every one of us will go through seasons of testing. So I want to share with you today uh, some truths from Hebrews 3 about how to pass the test. Um, Hebrews 3 describes really how Israel failed the test. We're going to learn how to pass the test by looking at how Israel failed the test. Isn't that hilarious? Listen, when Israel failed this test, it had devastating consequences for them, for their generations that came after them. I mean, when Israel failed this test, it cost them decades of additional wandering, decades being further from God, decades of frustration. Why? Because they were not prepared to pass the test. There's a truth that says time plus growth equals maturity. Time plus growth equals maturity. Time plus stagnation equals immaturity. One thing I want you to understand is you may have been in church for a long time. It doesn't mean you're prepared to pass the test. Time alone doesn't prepare you to pass the test. Time plus growth equals maturity. And maturity allows you to pass the test. But time alone, with stagnation, if, if, if there's been no character growth in your heart, there's been no spiritual maturity, there's been no power of faith elevated in your spirit, you may be in a church for 30, 40, 20, 15, 10 years. Time alone doesn't equal maturity. Time plus growth equals maturity. So there will be some who say, I've heard this message before, I know this, but has it really reached into your heart? Has the word penetrated deep enough where your time hearing the word and your own growth with the word has led to maturity? Or have you been just sitting here for years, kind of stagnant, but that's led to immaturity? So when the test comes, you cave like a ton of bricks. We need to be intentional to prepare, not only with the time we put in in church and studying the word, but letting it have its effect and grow us as people of faith. Amen. So five steps to pass the test. Five steps from Hebrews 3 to pass the test. Let's begin reading here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7. In verse number 7, the Bible says this. It says, this is what the Holy 
So the writer of Hebrews says this is what the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice. Um, this is very interesting. Not many times in Scripture really does an author say, look, this is what the Spirit of God is saying. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person in the triune God. It's, it's the person of God that, that, that convicts us, that leads us. It's that unction that you feel in your gut, the presence of God that we carry with us that makes his voice current for right now. And the, the writer is saying, this is what the Spirit of God is saying to you. If you hear his voice today, verse 8, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Verse 10, so I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. The writer of Hebrews says, the Holy Spirit is saying this, don't harden your hearts towards me. The first step, if you want to pass the season of testing, that God will allow you to walk through, the first thing you need to understand is that you can't let your heart be hardened towards God. You can't let your heart be hardened towards God. A hard heart will guarantee that you will fail every test that God puts before you. In our seasons of testing, your hearts will either go one way or the other. Very rarely will a person remain in the same place when some type of trial, when some type of trouble, or some type of test comes. Your heart will either go become harder towards God, or your heart will become softer towards God. It's, it's our natural response to go one direction or the other. We either move closer to God, or we fall away further from God. We either lean into His voice, or we pull away from His voice. Um, the writer of Hebrews here is using an incident that happened after Israel had been liberated and was going through the desert looking for the promised land. This is a specific incident. Uh, a parallel passage here is found in Psalms 95. In Psalm 95, the psalmist writes about this incident. And it lets us think about what, what Israel had experienced. Israel had been supernaturally liberated from Egypt. Moses had been raised up as this leader. Uh, the people had seen the, the miraculous plagues of God fall upon Egypt. Pharaoh had released them into the desert. These people had witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle. They saw the Red Sea split. They saw manna fall from heaven and provide food for them. There was a cloud by day and there was a fire by night to lead them. I mean, these people, the scripture says there, the writer of Hebrews says, they saw my miracles for 40 years, but yet, in the time of testing, their hearts were hardened and they turned away from me. had forgotten who God was. Why? Because of the heart. The issue here in this specific incident is that the people had come to a place where there was no water for them to drink. And, and they were looking for water, and since there was no water, the people began to complain. They began to mumble. They began to speak about Moses, about God. And many of them were saying, you know, it was 
additional years in the same category because of trials coming hard hard in this name where trials mean fail, frustration, and anger repeat the cycle. Why? Because their hearts have grown hard for God. First thing ever Second thing we need to do to pass the test is we need to check our hard heart symptoms before they worsen. We need to check your hard symptoms before they get worse. When you start, when you start to feel something like I'm going hard and I'm going cold towards God, I'm beginning to distance myself. There's been a wall, there's been a, a, a barrier between me and God. Those are symptoms that we need to check those before they go worse. Verse 12 says this, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure your own hearts, here it is, check your heart. Make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. The writer of Hebrews saying, Make sure, check, do a symptom check on your heart. That word here, be careful, it's an active verb that means to discern, to, to carefully observe. To perceive something, it's saying, take a deep, clear, honest look at your heart. It's an active examination. It's you asking the questions, God, have I allowed any doubt or heartedness towards you in my heart? It's looking for the small things before they become big things. Unbelief. Unbelief because it starts as something small as unbelief. That's the, the, the first little symptom that will lead to straight out doubts and hard hardness towards God. And this is what William Rule says. He says, Unbelief is not an inability to understand, but an unwillingness to trust. You see, a lot of times when we're in a trial, we know what God is telling us to do. We understand what the Word is saying to us. It's not that we don't understand what God is telling us to do. It's not that we don't get it. The problem is we don't want to trust in what God is doing. And that leads to unbelief. And just like you would go to WebMD to check your symptoms, I know many of you do this. They will make sure your throat. First thing I need to do, you go to the website and you say, what is this symptom all about? And, and it gives you like 30 different things, as simple as, simple as you know, hot peppers you ate for dinner. Some foreign cancer that's found in like one out of every billion people. We do this with other things in our life, right? But the writer of Hebrews is saying you need to do this with your heart and you need to do this often because if there's any doubt, any unbelief that's crept into your heart, guess what will happen if you don't check it? It's going to keep getting worse. It's going to keep progressing. And that little bit of unbelief, that little bit of doubt in your heart, right? Your unwillingness to trust. Again, it's not that you don't understand what God is telling you to do. Oh, we get it. We just don't want to believe it. But that little bit of doubt, that little bit of, of unbelief will grow into something bigger and deeper if you don't check it. And like the writer of Hebrews says, your heart will become evil in your unbelief. You see, unbelief doesn't present itself 
it's much more subtle than that. Unbelief is like, yeah, I know the Word of God says that, but you know, in my situation, maybe it doesn't apply, or you know, I haven't been really close to God. And then we think we rationalize and we try to over-explain and spiritualize our issues, and, and, and unbelief creeps in in a much more subtle way. Hardly ever is it, God, I don't believe what you're saying. No, it's much more like, I know what you're saying, God, I get it. It's not an intelligence thing. It's not an understanding thing. It's a hard thing. It's saying, I get it. It makes sense to me. But in here, I'm struggling with it. Why are you struggling with it? There's probably some hardness in here. It's keeping you from trusting me. So check it. Check it before it gets worse. This hard heart disease is just like real heart disease. It's a silent killer. You may not even know you have it because you become a professional Christian. I say a professional Christian is like you, you have your prayer cards, and the problem is that this week, okay, it's probably with my children. Let me pull out my prayer for my children prayer cards, and you go through the, you go about your day. But in here, is there any doubt? Is there any hardness that stops you from fully trusting me? And there it is. Check this out. So, number one, don't let your heart grow hard towards God. Number two, check the symptoms before they get worse. Number three, Protect your hearts with regular spiritual encouragement. I'm talking about now how do you protect your heart. The first two were not, you know, don't let your heart grow hard and check your heart. Now I'm talking about protecting your heart. Protect it with what? How do we uncover our heart? You cover it with regular spiritual encouragement. Oh, this is so important. I'm talking about how do we pass the test. Your preparation determines how you pass the test. Protect your heart with regular spiritual encouragement. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, You must warn each other every day. Other translations, instead of warn, say the word encourage there. You must encourage each other every day. While it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. You see there, it's, it's this warning, it's this encouragement. That we need to do it every day. That's going to be what protects you against deception and against hardness of heart. It's this regular spiritual encouragement. And the Greek word there for warn or encourage is the word parakaleo, where we get the Holy Spirit from. It was the parakalite. The parakalite, what does he do? He encourages you, he motivates you, he speaks to you, he convicts you, he empowers you because it's the presence of God in your life. This is along the same wavelength. This is not saying the Holy Spirit will do that. What this is saying is we need to do this for each other. We need to encourage one another when every day. Why do we need to encourage each other every day? You know why? Life's hard every day. And because it's easy for your heart to grow hard towards God when you're going through hard life every day. So we need to make this a regular part of our routine, that I am being encouraged by others, and that I myself am encouraging others, because when we do that, we're protecting one another. We're protecting each other's hearts from being deceived by sin, and from the encountering the hardness of our heart. What does this encouragement, this warning look like? It means to speak life into people, to, to, to motivate them, to encourage them, and to do it in a clear, loud way. In, in, in the Greek, that word means to call.
of questions in your head. What God would you like for me to be doing today? And with all you have prayed for, you will suffer in this life. It's the difference to sleep. And if we're warning each other, if we're encouraging each other, what we're doing is we're protecting each other's hearts by saying, let's not be deceived by the enemy's lies, by his confusion, and by his deceit, because that's the enemy's language. God's language is always truth. God's language is always truth. It's, it's always clarity. God always speaks with clarity, and he speaks with truth. It's the opposite of the enemy. And in our culture, that's become so divided. There's so much broken communication amongst our, our, our culture between world that we've seen deception settling, and what has it done? It's divided families, it's divided friendships, it's divided relationships, it's to some degree divided some of the church. Uh, deception comes in in a slick way, and we need to protect each other by encouraging one another and by warning one another and by doing that every single day. But a few chapters later in Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but what? Encourage one another. Now that the day of his return is drawing near, listen, there's never been a more important time to me to be connected to spiritual community than right now. And I want to speak directly to some of you, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you'll hear this on a podcast or on a replay later. But if you are a person who thinks you can do the spiritual journey alone, by yourself, you are wrong. You are neglecting the meeting together as some people have done. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, let's not do that. Because that's not how they passed the test. The way they passed the test, not allowing our heart to grow harder towards God, and by encouraging one another every single day, now is the time to get into communion. Now is the time to come back to fellowship. Okay? Now is the time to get in church. To get in church. And again, over these last few years, I know church for some people has become a second, third, fourth, fifth, fifth, sixth place priority in their life. And we are living in air, and that's what we've chosen to do. Because we should not neglect the meeting together. Your chance to come and to be encouraged and to be encouragement to others happens when we gather together as a community of faith. It's so important. Being connected now is more important than ever, especially during these times of testing. Because the enemy will try to confuse, the enemy will try to deceive you to get you to fail the test. The fourth thing. The fourth thing. Talking about how we pass the test. Number four. Maintain the same conviction have from the start of your journey. For us to pass the test, we got to have that same childlike faith, that same zeal, that same hunger, that same passion, that same I will quit at nothing, God, to get into your presence every night and day. Listen, uh, things deteriorate over time. We over owned a car, we owned a home, we owned our iPhone. Over time, what happens? Things break down. Things begin to to rocks, basically, your body will do that, your car will do that, your home will do that, even if you care for it, even if you try to maintain it meticulously, just over time, it's natural that things get beaten 
much like things get beaten down, your faith will get beaten down as well. So we must maintain, if we're going to pass the test, we must maintain that same level of zeal, of passion, commitment, fire, whatever you want to call it, that we had at the beginning of our walk. Listen to verse 14. Listen to verse 14. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. See that? It's saying if we're going to last to the end, we need to firmly, that word there means grip. We need to grip onto God as firmly as when we first called on Him to rescue you. And think about what you were going through when you called out to God. Man, some of you, it was a call of desperation. And all you could do, you had nothing but a hold on God. If you're going to pass that test, that hold on God needs to be just as firm during this test as it was when you first called out to Him. Is trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. It's a challenge to hold on firmly to God and trust Him even through the test. But just like we did at the beginning, we must hold on firmly. We need to hold on to Him and the things that you know about. You see, the reason why it was so easy for the Israelites to, for their hearts to get hard is they forgot who God was. And one of the best things you can do is always remember. Always call to remembrance who God is in you. God is true. God is right. God is powerful. God is holy. God is there. God is present. God is merciful. God is graceful. God is enough. He's your king. He's your father. He's your savior. He's your Lord. Remember those things. It's the assurance that we all need to keep our grip firm on God. It's our job to hold on to Him. Especially Testaments come. The last thing, number five, let me finish with this. Number five, numbers one through four don't really matter if you don't follow through with number five. Number five, we're talking about how we pass the test. Don't procrastinate. You need your pastors. When you hear his voice, don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Don't wait. We'll see what happens next week. Well, we'll see what happens tomorrow at work or after I have a discussion with my wife. No, if you hear God's voice, obey Him. Don't procrastinate. Let's finish here as we go to verse 15. The writer of Hebrews says this remember what it says, remember what it says. And he's, he's pointing back to Psalms 95. He's saying, remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, whose voice? God's voice. Today, when you hear his voice, don't run. Again, for the third time, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Now, out of all of this here, the key word for me in this scripture is the word today. This matters when. Today. It doesn't matter what you did last week or even last night. And listen, it really won't matter what you do tomorrow if today you don't respond to his voice. The important word here is today, and, and this word today is important both for our response, but also for the fact that it confirms to us that God. 
wants you to speak to you, to draw you closer to himself. The key here, though, is will you listen to him or will you tune him out? Listen to him or will you tune him out? Your response will matter. If you listen, conviction will grab you. His love for you will draw you in. And then you will experience everything and share in everything that is Christ. But if you tune him out, if you make excuses, oh, I'm not sure, I don't know, is this really bad? I don't know, I don't understand, this doesn't really fit my situation, if you only knew what I was going through. It sounds like a bunch of excuses to me. This is very cut and dry, you hear his voice, but today, today when you hear his voice, today, today when, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as evil. I believe this is a spiritual wake-up call for some of us. for some of you, this is God speaking to you, saying, come back to me before it's too late. I know that you walked in here today, you felt like you were the one wandering. There wasn't clarity, there wasn't purpose, there wasn't direction. Things kind of seemed to be all over the place. Maybe during the trial, maybe during the test, maybe there's some trouble in your life. But I believe today, God is clearly speaking to you. He's saying, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't put yourself in that pattern where you turn your Tripping over the same stones again and again and again. Because you have a hard heart. Today, soften your heart. Turn it to him. Hold on to your faith and you will experience everything in this place. Please stand to me.